Hello and welcome to 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And today marks the, I don't want to say the end of an era, the the beginning of the end. No, no, no. The start of the... the it marks a, a intermission. An a intermission. <sighs> a, a comma, not a period. I love that. I love the way you put that. Yeah, so we're, we're just about to head into a 10K hiatus. Um, end of season one, you might say. Exactly. And we... we uh, put a nice little bow on season one with this episode, the 40th episode of the year. Man, hell of a year, Vince. It's been a pleasure, and that's the most vast understatement I could possibly make. <laughs> yeah, so we are uh, we're releasing this episode on December 1st, taking a little bit of a break. We're not going to release any new episodes during uh, during the month of December, and we'll be back to you January 5th, I believe. Monday, January 5th. I think that 5th. is the plan, yep. <laughs> And man, we got some freaking exciting guests coming up. I don't want to spoil it. Can no I spoil spoilers. it? All right, yeah. fine. No, wait, wait. You season spo- two, no season two spoilers. Okay, yes. You'll have to stay tuned, though. We have some some of the most interesting guests yeah. that I think we've had. I'm so excited to share that. It just, it just keeps getting better and better and better. I, I will say we did have some audio snafus uh, dealing with a faulty mic um, in this last episode, so it's a little rougher. But it'll, it'll sound like Grant's calling in. It'll re- maybe remind you of er- the early days. Yeah, really. It's, cast, yeah. it's kind of a throwback. It's almost fitting that we would end the season one on <laughs> on a shitty audio situation. It's not that exactly. bad. It's okay. It's okay. But um, not a shitty guest. Let me tell you, somebody who I was super pumped, uh, and I'm glad he took the time and we got on the line with him, Mr. Jeff Sheldon of the famed Ugmunk apparel brand well more than apparel it's called a lifestyle brand yeah it's an entire look it is and it's really close to home for me because it's based on this minimalist design aesthetic which is my jam and it's overall just amazing you should it really is beautiful yeah go to ugmunk.com and and check out his stuff before you even listen to the episode i feel like it gives it more context because you're like oh wow this guy's like good he started his own business he's been like building it for a few years now took the dive went full-time it's really awesome story and, and I guess it, an ap- apropos uh, uh, topic, right? Exactly. And that story is the exact frame with which we examine the topic of bootstrapping and starting from nothing and learning things on the fly the hard way and what that kind of impact has on your projects and your aesthetic and, you know, where you go from there. Yeah, and he's a, he's uh, somebody who I respect. I feel like he, not that there is a right way, but he did it a right way. You know that is really well said. Hey, thanks. Um, and I'm also excited not only about the guest but about this week's sponsor because I think he's feeling generous given the holiday spirit. Um, it's just he's just giving stuff away. That's all we're doing. This is a sponsor we've had before. It's called the Vector Lab, um, which is fitting to me for Ugmunk, being that he's a designer and he makes. Uh, incredible stuff and uh, the vector lab i we have a bunch of those assets and i use them all the time in my designs um there's a whole range there's mock-up templates there's like uh typography and logo styles and all these resources that make design much easier and kind of gets some of that stuff out of the way and, and it just adds this beautiful layer to your designs and what he's doing is um for the first five people it's completely free there's no sign up. There's nothing. It's a $30 pack um, that I use. It's called Thrift Shop. He's just giving it away to 10,000 hours listeners. Um, so if you go to thevectorlab.com, go search Thrift Shop. Otherwise, uh, if you're listening on the website, um, we'll link to it uh, in the show notes and in the sponsor section. And uh, go search Thrift Shop. Go put that in your cart very quickly and check out and use the code Thrift Shop. 
one word, and you're going to get it completely free. It's really amazing and very generous of Vector <laughs> right? Lab. It's just like a, it's a win-win-win. It's kind of unbelievable. Uh, so thank you very much to Vector Lab for their sponsorship and their generosity. Yeah. Definitely check those guys out. Thank you, Jeff Sheldon of Ugmunk, for joining us on a fascinating episode. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for this episode and all of Season 1, 40 episodes strong. <laughs> we hope you'll be back in 2018. 15? 2015. And Vince, can I thank you for uh, co-piloting this wayward rocket with me? Yeah. It was a hell of a year, and I'm so, pleasure, so excited man. for year two. Me too, dude. Me too. Couldn't be more excited. Thank you, man. Bingo, yeah, you nailed it. Beautiful. Nail it, Jeff. Just like everything, a cool confidence Jeff, and casualness to the If you to the were trumpet. a tool, Jeff, I think you'd be a hammer. You're always nailing it. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. Yeah, laying it on thick. I just want to come out and ask you and just start the show. Instead of vacillating, I don't want to dance around it. I know a lot of times we get, we get complaints even that... Oh, yeah, you never get to the point. You know, you just like... Very serious complaints. Yes, and I want to address those head on in very directly, in a, in a concise manner. And I want to ask you, Vince, what are you working on? What are you putting your time into to take that haters? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you did it so succinctly. Uh, Samsung at work. Uh, I mentioned this in a previous episode. It's still going strong. No, <laughs> printing. Uh, we're, we're actually pitching another... Part of the business, so it is. We're we're all very excited and working very hard. And uh, deck. yeah, late nights and weekends R&D. in the future, uh, in, in a way. And uh, beyond that, uh, Cosby Cast has. Don't need, don't know what that show. <laughs> uh, we re- recorded a, a guest episode uh, last week, and we're doing another one this weekend. So it's exciting. Um, and of course, this podcast has been very active in recording recently yeah a lot of sure. really cool guests and a lot of really cool conversations so that's yeah. what's keeping me busy grant what are you putting your time into that's a great question vince uh you know just just uh, landed another cool little video project uh with a story a general story vibe that i'm super passionate about so can't say much about it. And then another naming project that's really cool. Again, can't say anything. I'm kind of a dick for not. No, you, just, you know, you got it. You're telling the truth. You're telling what you're working on, but you can't get specific. But I'm going to soon and they're going to be really cool. The cool thing about the show, though, is sometimes you can you start out saying on like a previous episode, you know, I got this new thing that I can't really talk about. And, and then progress. over time, you start disseminating more and more info. And then we link to the final project some somewhere down the line. Yeah. Okay. So I want to take that same approach in a very uh, smaller sense for our guest today. Okay. So I'm just going to start off by saying, dude, today we got a guy, a male guest, and he's got a thing um, and he he does stuff. Yeah. More specifically, more specifically, he does stuff. He makes things. Okay. Now we're getting there. All right. We're we're starting. (laughs) It's a lot of it's apparel based, but I think it's bigger than that. But I don't yeah. want to put words in his mouth. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Jeff. His name is Jeff. Okay, I'm going to tell you his name is Jeff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, oh, my go. God. Hey, please. Welcome, welcome to the show, Mr. Jeff Sheldon of Ugmunk. 
uh, founder, designer, doer, maker, and an awesome brand. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I'm uh, really excited to have you on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Welcome, Jeff. Ah, so pumped to have you. Love what you do. Really excited about your passion. And I'm wondering what you're putting your time into. What are you working on right now? Yeah, so right now I'm planning uh, a bunch of stuff in time for the holidays. Uh, I've got a big release coming up with uh, like 10 or 12 new products. So I'm trying to prep everything, get that ready to launch on Black Friday, which means product photography, just all the, the back end of the, the website, getting everything ready and newsletters and, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, it's keeping me busy and it's going to be crunch time in the next couple of weeks here. People yeah, are yeah. already lining up, I've heard, outside, yeah. outside your home. <laughs> yeah. The line already goes all the way around the block. Oh, right yeah, now, so I'm sure this is out. like a real hectic time for you so again we appreciate you oh, take yeah, totally. carving an hour out to talk to us man yeah and speaking of carving yeah exactly speaking of jam, jamming segue. your hours that would have been a great segue into like turkey discussion oh yeah <laughs> i fairly fairly top you know we should we should actually start a podcast about um holidays and, and thanksgiving specifically I don't know that we'll do that's it once a year. Necessary. We'll do it on Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Once a year, I think we can get enough content for okay, that. Okay. So, all right. The point is, we're always trying to start new things. We've always got all these ideas, as many people do. Especially, it's almost becoming cliche, but uh, you know, it, it's an era of opportunity. It's uh, definitely a product of the creative revolution, which is something we talk about a lot. And honestly, it's the reason we're doing what we're doing. Which, which is, it's it's an open market, and the internet has opened things up, and access to tools has opened things up, and we are bootstrapping, which is today's topic. Absolutely. And Jeff, you are a fantastic example of a bootstrapper. So, One who bootstraps. Yes. And I'm wondering if you could just start us off by talking a little bit about what Ugmonk is, and your brand, and, and kind of how you got started. Yeah, for sure. I'll try and give you the the quick, the medium, quick version. The short to yeah. medium. I know, man. It's a thing, right? You're like, uh, let me think about it. Uh, do you want the two minute? Do you want the five minute? Are we do, are we doing like a twelve minute? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me let me pull out that script. <laughs> the binder. Uh, no, but, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll kind of briefly touch on my story, and then uh, you guys can kind of dive into specifics on areas you want to get into more. But. Um, yeah. So back in uh, 2008, I launched Ugmonk, um, and I literally had no idea what I was doing. Um, this was, I had just graduated college, I was studying graphic design, um, and I should start by saying my passion is design and art, and that's what I grew, grew up doing. Um, and in 2008, I, I started Ugmonk just as a little side project to keep my hands busy. Um, I got an entry-level job at a design agency right out of college. I was ready to go, and then, you know, I'm sitting there doing production work and cloning logos out of photos and not the most exciting stuff. So I, I started uh, thinking about what else I could do just some, for something that's fun. Mm -hmm. And I was doing some different t-shirt design, freelance work and contests. And I thought, you know, it would be fun to launch my own brand. Um, but I really didn't think about it as a brand. I guess when I launched, I thought about let's design a few shirts. We'll put them online and see what happens. And that's kind of been my whole story up until now is just kind of um, piece by piece, figuring out things as I go. Um, after I launched those first few shirts and got the first couple of orders, um, I realized I'd never shipped anything internationally. I didn't even know how to do that. Um, like the second order came from Australia. So it was like right from the get go. It's like, oh, crap, I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. Um, but since then, it's, it's grown a lot. Um, obviously, if you look at the website now, there's more than just four shirts. Um, and I have now, right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I 
I started off very slow, very small. Um, didn't approach it as something that I was ever going to do full time. But as things started taking off and as I started getting picked up on design blogs and shirts started selling and, and it really started building that audience. Um, and then it started kind of taking over my life as far as like shirts piled high in every room of our little one bedroom apartment. And my wife and I are like walking down to the post office with, you know, tote bags full of uh packages that we had to like write out the customs forms and it, it was all like literally just a complete bootstrap uh from nothing kind of start uh-huh. and then uh you know as things started picking up and started getting more serious and we started selling you know more than just a few shirts um i was reinvesting all that money every single dollar that i made for the first two years back into the business um and Oof. still working my uh semi-boring but semi-good uh design yes. job um I'm glad you said yeah. that. Semi good, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's overlooked. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and we can we can talk about that too because sure, I picked up so much on those those two years while I was doing both. Um, you know, I learned a ton from being in the agency world and just being around other designers and and learning how things you know are done outside of just a school you know a classroom setting. So I, I definitely learned a lot, but it was um, and it was a great place to work. It just wasn't like I I was getting to you know exercise my creative juices. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that I basically just kept that kept it slowly building like that. And over the past, it's been six years now um, that I've been building it. And two years into it is when I, I went full time and quit that design job to do it full time. And that's when things really started taking off and branched into other products and leather goods and posters. And now I've done some just launched some custom messenger bags. Um, and uh, oh, nice. Yeah. So it's, it's really the holidays. Yeah, exactly. So I, I was about to say the rest is history, but now I'm thinking, can we coin a new phrase? The rest is Wikipedia. Okay. So, but something you were saying, like so, you're talking about the beginning, your business, beginning, your passion, whatever this term we hear over and over is do what you love. And we've talked about it before and we'll talk about it again, but here's something that isn't talked about. Um, I mean, beyond, beyond like, what you love becoming a different thing, which you alluded to with, you know, you have to figure out shipping. You have to figure out the website. You have to right. figure out, okay. But first I would actually rather, I, I, like, I like to take a step back and talk about how did you figure out what you love? You know, how did you know what you love? Yeah. How did you know that step? Ugmonk is what you wanted to dive in and bootstrap? And actually on. maybe can we jump back to of like, how did you figure out that you really love design and these things? Because to me, that is where any of your skill sets started developing and, because you were saying, yo, I was, I was, I was really into design, really into art. So where did that start, and how did you know that? Yeah, so that starts uh, super early on. I mean, as as far back as I can remember, like drawing and coloring, and you know, playing with Legos and Lincoln Logs and Connects and every type of building toy that you could possibly think of, or even just like taking junk cardboard and like making stuff out of it. Um, you know, as a kid, that's just what I did, and I didn't really, you know think that I was weird for doing it or that I was the one, you know, I'd, I'd try and convince my friends, Hey, let's go inside and, you know, go draw airplanes. And they're like, no, let's go outside. And it's like, I like doing both, both things. You know, I, I enjoyed sports and I enjoyed art, which was also kind of me kind of bridged a weird gap there. But, mm-hmm. um, that I, you know, I think that passion for creating things, whether it was through, you know, a pencil and paper or whether it was building something or whether it was an actual physical product that you can wear, um, was really, just part of my life growing up. And I don't think I ever thought of it that way until I launched the business and realized, um, you know, design was more than just, you know, mocking up ads and doing things for clients. It was like, I really want to make my own products. Okay. Oh, I think, 
There was an interesting thing you said there, though, which was like you're talking about being a kid and being interested in that stuff. And uh, kind of a, a common thread I've seen with our guests and with people is that most of the creative folks' motivation is kind of like, and we talk about self-awareness, right? But but motivation, they're motivated by different set of principles or, you know, a set of, um, of factors. And to me, a lot of it comes back to like, like wanting to live life like a kid, you know, and not in an immature way, you know, in like the most mature way. And so I don't know that that's really interesting to hear you say that because it seems like a lot of the people who I find are most successful are not, are not necessarily, they're doing what they love, but they're like, they're almost, they're acting like kids, you know, like they're finding the kid in them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think too many people lose that sense. And like, you know, we've kind of structured our culture in a very, you know, rigorous way where you, you know, you go to school, you go to college, you know, hopefully you get a degree and then hopefully you get a job and you kind of fall into that. And then a lot of times the job ends up being something totally different than, you know, you anticipated. Um, and then you almost work your way out of that craft that you're interested in. And so like, even in the creative industry, which is, you know, there's a very, it covers a very broad spectrum, but uh, you think about how you kind of work your way out of being a designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the best designers are just the ones that are really good at the craft and they're not good at, you know, art direction and managing people and managing teams. Yeah. Um, but we've kind of set up this weird structure where you, you have to kind of to make more money. You almost are more hands off and you lose the part that you actually love, whether it's design or whether it's, you know, a lot of different industries. Yeah, that's an awesome point. And, you know, when you, when you bring up this idea of, having a childlike quality to the way that you approach your work. A lot of it, I think personally comes from almost a naivete when you're approaching a project or a discipline. Now, when it comes to bootstrapping, I think naivete is maybe one of the most important factors that you need to even be able to do it. Right. Sustain you through the first little bit. Exactly. If you knew all like the problems and all the pitfalls you'd, you'd encounter while bootstrapping you'd never do it right so when you were talking about your story in the beginning you had there were two phrases that i think kind of act as the bootstrappers like first two lines of the handbook that was i didn't know anything and what was the other one when in rome (laughs) well let's start with that one then yeah i didn't know anything so you go into it completely blind and you're figuring it out on the fly. You already mentioned kind of the international shipping example, but what other kind of things? And, and actually, I think, I think we could even phrase it in a way that most people working in the creative industry right now would understand, which is scope creep. Okay. So you got, you signed up for a project that was, I get to make cool stuff. Right. And then the scope quickly became, I get to make cool stuff. And I'm responsible for managing the orders and I have to ship it and I'm going to have to find the postage and I'm going to have to box it up and I'm going to have to find a printer and I'm going to have to get it made and I'm going to deal with customer service because somebody's going to be pissed <laughs> and I'm going to have to uh, pay for that up front and then I'm going to have to get money on the back end. And then... <laughs> yeah. So talk about your experience kind of learning on the fly, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, you touched on a lot of good points and I think, uh, people Press ask them me, all, Jeff. okay, I will, I will hit every single one and I'll give you the perfect sentences that you can retweet right now. Um, yeah, we're tweeting uh, them already. Um, yeah, I think, you know, that going into it um, kind of blind like that, again, not, you know, 
not thinking of it as a business, especially not a business I was going to run full time. You know, people would ask me like after it kind of got its first, you know, my first blog coverage or whatever. And are you going to do this full time? I'm like, heck no, I'd have to sell a ton of T-shirts, you know, and it was just crazy and it seemed so far away. But um, because I, you know, I didn't study business in, in college and I didn't kind of approach it that way. Um, people say, you know, would you go back and, you know, do you wish you studied business? And it's like, I think there's definitely things and aspects that would have really helped. And I would have had a, a better knowledge of it, but I would have, I would have approached it completely differently. Like you said, like I would have had, I probably would have overthought things and I would have gone into it, you know, putting out probably too much money and, and really thinking through all those details. Whereas I was like, I want to make shirts that I, that I like that I want to wear. And then I was like, okay, well, I need to make a website. Okay, well, I need to design a logo. I got to call it something. And it was literally like that, that track of thinking, um, you know, I had the T-shirt design part down, but I had never actually done screen printing or, or worked with a screen printer. Um, so it was, I think it was an advantage in the sense of like, it was driven by that passion of creating those products and the product always comes first. And I, I, I try and emphasize to people a lot um, that are asking me, you know, hey, I want to start a T-shirt company. And yeah, it's like, yeah. You know, I get those emails like every week oh and it's God, like, you know, like what, what no. is your t-shirt company going to be about? Like, are you a designer? And they're like, no, you know, is it have a theme? Well, they're like, it's going to be a, an Americana theme. It's like, well, no, like what is the design? Like, what's the story? And, and right. people don't usually have that direction. So um, I think the biggest part just going into it was that I had a clear direction of the design and that's what I specialized in. And then, you know, all the other stuff was trial and error so. and mistakes and things like that. So that's the problem and, and that's something we talked about we've talked about before but it's just like what's your motivation are you if, you if you're trying to get to this thing like yeah it's really sexy to think oh i have this big apparel company that does this right or, or even like i'm a musician who has this or whatever but like if your motivation is the end game that's fucked and if you're not about the thing that you're doing and if like, because i mean okay let me ask you this then um, I'm sure for you, you've had, you know, things that people would, would be like, wow, that's so cool. Right. Okay. You get featured in this blog, you sell this many shirts, you have this company, right. And people would be like, wow, you're so lucky. That's so cool. But the, I, um, I'm projecting here, but my, my feeling is that won't sustain you. That won't make you, you know, quote unquote happy <laughs> right? because mm -hmm. Like if you're not doing stuff you're proud of and excited about, and and if you can't find the core of the thing that excites you, then I don't know. That just seems not sustainable at all. Um, so yeah, like how you deal with or how you dealt with that, even from a social media standpoint, right? Because you're built on the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those things from the outside. All of those things sound so tempting, and you know, it's sounds glamorous. And they see like, oh, I just saw you got featured on that, and like, you know, right now I'm like on PayPal's homepage, and they have like, you know, they're using like my office photos and they're they're uh, on their new site design. And it's like that's so cool, that's crazy, and it's like it is really cool. But again, if that was my if that was the end goal was just to get attention, that that dies off the next day. Like, there's nothing really sustainable about it's, that. It's dopamine, and even more so if that was your goal all along that you would have never have gotten there yeah. because mm -hmm. to endure all the the crappiness and the and like the strife that is bootstrapping you have to love what you're doing otherwise you're not gonna keep doing it yeah yeah and there's like again it's like such a 
people also see the condensed, you know, the past six years of my life and they condense it down into, you know, maybe the first 10 minutes where they first are introduced to the brand. And made it. Yeah, like, right. I, I could do that too. Like, oh, he's making shirts and selling them for a living. I could do that. And it's like, okay, but you don't know how many like Friday and Saturday nights I was literally sitting there writing out customs forms, answering customer service emails, you know, dealing with stuff that came that was printed wrong. And, and there's like, you know, the list goes on and on. Oh, and yeah. Doing it all yourself. Um, yeah, and just like figuring it, figuring things out when stuff, you know, the fire, putting out a fire and another one pops up and put out another fire and just kind of like, uh, you know, in it for the long haul. But I was never, because I was never started and still would say I'm not motivated by money. Uh, I think money is necessary and obviously I like it and it allows me to do things. But the goal wasn't really to, you know, it's completely different than a tech startup or someone that's trying to do a quick flip and get a, you know, build an app and sell it, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's just not the mentality that I'm going into with the brand that I've built. So if I was motivated by money, I would be cutting corners along the way all over the place. Like I could make stuff. You would be way smarter. You would be way smarter, you know, quote quote smarter (laughs) about it, right? Yeah. That's the thing. It's we always talk about self-awareness, sure. But it really fucking it does come down to that, which is like, what's going to get me up here? Like, what am I trying to do? And if it's money that that's easy and that is so ephemeral, like Mm -hmm. and to me and I, well, yeah, a lot of what we talk about is money is freedom. Money is freedom to do other things that I want to do because it's not an end game. Now, I'm glad you said money is freedom because this is the thing that I wanted to talk about next with you, Jeff. You, at some point, made the decision, like you told us, to quit your quote-unquote day job to do Ugmunk full-time. When did you decide that? When did you decide to take the leap? What was the impetus? When did you know that enough was enough? Or when did you feel secure enough, maybe? Was it a security thing? Or was it just a had-enough thing? Or was it just a take-a-leap kind of thing? Kind of walk us through what that moment was like. It was kind of a combination of both. Um... And this is a question that people ask me a lot, too, when they kind of hear my story and they're really interested in taking whatever is, you know, their cooking blog and taking it full time and going. It's like they, they see that I've taken something and gone full time. And it's such a personal like it, it really depends on the person. Um, so the, the answer isn't really right for everyone. But the way that I processed it was um, kind of going into it was. Um, one, it was getting unhealthy to the point where I was, you know, my wife and I were working, working full time and then we're coming home. I'm like staying up and working all night. Um, and it, you know, life and work kind of got out of, out of balance there for a little bit. Um, and then some of it was just running the numbers and figuring out, you know, how many more shirts do I actually need to sell? And because I hadn't taken any money from the business, I had built up a nice inventory, which, you know, if I had to liquidate, I could have, you know, marked everything down and probably sold it really cheap. Um, and then I'd been, you know, saving up money during that time too. So I had a nice, um, padding, uh, in case things went completely wrong. The other part of it was I was going into it thinking I was going to do Ugmonk um, 50% of my time and then freelance clients, the other 50%. And after like two clients, I was like, I'm done with clients. I I can't do both because managing clients is, a, you know, requires hundred percent of your time and such a, uh, a time suck. So I just said, I'm going all in. And as I was putting more time in, I saw the direct result, um, of, you know, more sales and just me to release more and a better, just crafting the, the every the whole experience better, um, so there was some risk, but it wasn't necessarily the risk of like, Hey, I just graduated from college. I'm going to start a t-shirt brand and try and live in New York city. It's like, 
You know, to me, <laughs> right. that doesn't make any sense. That, but... is, that is how to make it in America, though, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's yeah. Oh, my God. How many poor T-shirt entrepreneurs are starved to death in some crappy because apartment? Of the, the, oh, and because of that show. <laughs> because of yeah, what yeah. you just said, Jeff. Your, their blood is on your hands, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I guess just, you know, running, I ran those things parallel for a while so that I was, um, you know, if I did have to go back, it was kind of a crazy time to leave a job. It was in 2010, like the economy had just crashed and like people were like, why are you giving up like insurance and all that? And uh, it was a little bit easier because I didn't, wasn't really making all that much. So it wasn't like I was giving up a six figure salary or anything. But you were, in that sense, truly giving up security, right? You were, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you talked about how you had safeguards in place. It wasn't like you were putting your entire livelihood on the line. But in some ways you were. You were kind of really jumping out of the window and hoping to fly. And fly you did, but it, t- it took a lot of courage, I'm sure. Yeah, it was definitely like weird that first week or whatever, like not going into work and just staying home and working on stuff and like, wait, I'm not going to have a paycheck if I'm not selling, you know, if like, if I don't have, uh, if we're not, ha- we don't have sales. So it was, it's like a, it was a really like bizarre, like transition. Cause you almost felt like I was doing something wrong. Like this is illegal. Like I'm just like sitting home and I'm not reporting to anybody. And, uh, but there was, there was, there was a lot of risk, but I mean, I talked to a lot of people, you know, kind of trying to get advice and, and, and everyone, especially my wife was telling me, you know, like, this is the time in our life to do it. Let's, you know, let's jump, let's go all in. And she had faith in me. And, um, you know, really it was just no looking back after that. And thankfully it worked out, but I can't say it's necessarily like the successful route that, you know, no matter what, if you save up this much, you're going to be successful. So no, there's, I mean, no one can say that about anything. Right. But yeah, I mean, well that exact, I mean, that is my day to day and it has been for two, three years really of, of jumping over the hurdle. Right. That's right. Do you want to do you want to actually explain that? I don't know that we've ever made that analogy on the show before. Jumping over the hurdle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, the way I, I think this was a phrase that was said to me. I, I did not come up with it, but it was. Um, this was somebody. I do. I swear. Sometimes I talk to because I, I love. I have coffee with a lot of people. I meet with a lot of people, and and uh, less so now. But you know, for a long time. And um, I would talk to these older creatives or people who were like higher up in the startup industry or whatever. And they would like talk longingly about this, like these like pastures that you could run around in. But I did have somebody say this phrase like, oh yeah, like your hurdle is much smaller than mine. And I was like, oh, what, what are you talking about? And he was just like, oh yeah, the hurdle you need to jump over every month is much smaller than the hurdle I need to jump over. And I was like, ah, this is a good point. Because what I need to do, so like, I mean, at a certain point, running a business, trying to do this stuff full time, and like, I came out of school and I didn't, I haven't taken a job um, for what are we at now, man? Two and a half years? Two, three years, yeah. Jeez. And um, I mean, I've taken jobs, but not jobs. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> But no, it, it, it's it's different now, somewhat. But especially for the first, I would say, year and a half, it was. What do I need to do to be able to muster enough energy to jump over the hurdle? And I mean, just like financially, let's say that means, okay, I need to pay for this, 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 breaking it down monthly, you know, cause that's how most of it runs is like, what do I need to do to jump over the hurdle? And I think uh, that sort of economical approach and this like industrious, like gonna work really, really hard approach sometimes gets lost on the do what you love generation. <laughs> I'm not going to call them a generation. Like this is, these, it's a mentality. These though. are our people, but it is like 
sometimes very sugar-coated. And I don't know why I emphasize coated there. <laughs> sugar-coated. <laughs> coated. <laughs> no, but, but I think that's what I respect out of your story, Jeff, is like uh, sometimes it feels like taking a full-time job in any regard is not, is like not following your dream. And it's like, my God, fine. Like, I think true like chasers are going to like do what it takes to chase, understand your means. True hustlers don't need to like jump all in on like They don't mean, they don't need to prove a point by jumping in 100%. They do, they do what they have to do to make the dream become real. So many people think that dream is all or nothing. But and it's it, not that way. Exactly. It's, and it's Jeff has shown us that it's not that way. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. That's a great point, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the people, like a lot of the difference is that the doers are just going to go do it. Like they're not going to talk yeah. about, you know, for years, you know, everyone they talk to, you know, I have these dreams and I have these dreams. It's like the people that are successful are usually the ones that just, they've just put their head down and started doing it. They and say, like, maybe I they had failed, this but. dream. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And now they're living it. Yeah. I thought you were making a Martin Luther King reference there. No, no. I was making a <laughs> verbal simile between I have this and dream and talking about it. No, I had this I was, dream and I did it, yeah. Well, the way you, you were so strong in saying it. I, I did. I did come out a little forcefully there. No, was, I respect it. And all respect to Mr. Martin Luther King. Absolutely. <sighs> okay, so before we get too off topic. <laughs> in uh, a manner of speaking. I'm, I'm just curious... Um, have you okay so for me i have loved the internet and i've hated the internet and kind of bounced around it and have uh, decided that i want to stay on the sunny side of it but in a social media world it's a world easy. where everyone has an opinion and the means to share it yeah and and where popularity is quantifiable and misunderstood and whatever um how have you dealt with that it's something you kind of were alluding before but like has that jaded you at all because your business is 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 there how does that work for you yeah it's been a weird like kind of progressive uh just as the internet has progressed in the last six years so has my business so has social media so has just everything has changed so much as far as like I wasn't even on Twitter. I didn't have a Facebook page. Like when I started, um, you know, it wasn't, there was none of that. It was like you had your RSS reader with some blogs and that was about it. Um, so like I really grew as I mean, maybe Twitter was around. I just wasn't even, even on it. I wasn't really still not really an early adopter to a lot of the stuff. But I as I grew, you know, and, and started getting a presence on Twitter and things like that, I started connecting with people that I was like blown away with, you know, other designers that were, you know, famous in my eyes um, that you know, were either like posting about what I was doing or I'd reach out to them and just, you know, compliment them on their work. And then all of a sudden, like started getting uh, these amazing connections and not even like that I would consider myself like putting myself out there as far as networking. It was just like that it leveled the playing field so much that it allowed my work to start getting shown in a broader sense than just, you know, posting on some T-shirt forum or something. Um, so it's been like a really weird ride, um, kind of the rise and fall of social media. I mean, I think we're definitely, you know, on the fall side of that. Um, maybe yeah. not in, maybe not if you ask, you know, the, the stockholders of people that have stock in Facebook and things like that. But um, in a general sense, I guess, like in the niche that that I'm in and that we're in in the creative industry, there's we've kind of everyone's kind of gotten tired of it. And it's like, you know, too much noise, too much this. But you think, you know, 
four or five years ago, if you got retweeted with that somebody that had a thousand followers or five thousand followers, I immediately saw sales come in. It was like it was crazy. It was like you know I just got retweeted by this person. Now somebody with half a million followers could retweet me and I would see nothing. Um, so it just it's been like such a an yeah. interesting thing to try and kind of figure out where yeah. do I fit in and where, you know, as I've grown and as the brand has grown, you know, what um, part of it do I see? But I try and really see the positive in it just because it's been like a huge, a huge part of growing the brand like I did without you know, no advertising or no, no traditional advertising. Something I struggle with on that point, and, and you're saying, yeah, trying to see the good in it. And, and really, at the end of the day, the Internet's fucking amazing. So mm-hmm. talk about the tool of all tools for bootstrappers. Yeah. So thank you, Internet. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and I mean, social media is a tool or, or a platform or whatever you want to call it for, for bootstrappers. Um, the thing I struggle with is like authenticity, I think, is the most. And what you're, what you're getting at was like uh, people started and have started and are starting to and see it and whatever the potential like, oh, you can become this or like you can, you know, they see these outcomes and that becomes this like motivator. It feels like to me that uh, some it's, it's like, oh, the opportunity to to blast out and broadcast is becoming more attractive than the opportunity to interact with and connect with. And so that's sort of muddying the waters a little bit it's insulating mm-hmm. people against it and and i think the next point yeah so so it's weird okay it's weird but it's okay and and ultimately like it's a tool i've used to connect with so many people and it's amazing it really is like incredible to connect with your tribe and like see these people and and i've traveled around quite a bit and met a, so many people in person which is mm-hmm. so many of the guests on this show even started off as social yeah, media yeah. contacts yeah via twitter via, i mean twitter mostly really is like like that's kind of where I hang out a lot. So, uh, but club but, Twitter. Yeah. So, but then the next thing for me that has been a struggle <laughs> is uh, not just authenticity, but is like how much time do I put into this versus how much? Because okay, here's the sense I get, Jeff, is you put a lot of time and energy, and it's it like you're kind of painting yourself as naive and just like a, you know going at what you liked and whatever, and um, well not naive, but like to an extent, yeah. It, and you weren't putting in time trying to game a system. You were putting in time on a craft and in pursuing your passions, which is the cliche, which is, you know, makes things misunderstood. But really, I do think that's something I struggle with is like, I don't ever want to be really good at Twitter. I want to be good at this work. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah. And so that's just like a weird balance. I, I don't even have a question there. I'm sorry, but it's just like. But I mean, just reflect like. How did you balance, like, how did you decide how much time and energy to put into social media? Because the fact of the matter is, the maybe the good, in quotes, approach is to care about the craft. But your craft can get so much more love that it deserves if you're also yeah. good at Twitter. Well, and especially when it's a part of your business, it is, right. like, relevant. It's very relevant. Exactly, you know? yeah. Yeah, my approach has been, like... So, so Ugmonk is me. I mean, that's like the brand is such a personal brand. I've never tried to make it seem like, you know, we have a team of 50 people and we're, you know, this massive thing. You know, I try and keep everything. If you read the blog, if you read my Twitter, like it's me. I don't have separate brand pages and separate, you know, a brand Instagram and my Instagram. It's like if you look at my Instagram, you get to see where I go on vacation, pictures of my dog and the new Ugmonk stuff. Like it's all like 
I guess it's just really honest. And like, I try and keep it authentic, even though, you know, that word is very cliche right now. It's like, everyone wants to be authentic, (laughs) but uh, like, I think part of it just stems from like, I'm like you said, I'm not trying to game the system. Like I've never tried to buy followers or tweet things that I think are going to get more followers. Um, I'm just trying to provide value and connect with people. And I've seen that work. So if I'm putting, you know, whether it's I'm putting good workout or maybe I'm writing a blog post about something that I think, you know, other people are interested in. That's, you know, that value is worth more than any, you know, like or, you know, kind of uh, exposure or hitting it big in the big leagues, getting, you know, on some big blog or something like that. And it's really like it's it's simple. Like I use like the regular Twitter app. I don't have like tweet deck and all this crazy stuff going on. It's like. I don't schedule posts. I don't and have like all this, this strategy. This is something we talked about too is like, and I'm sure you get hit up like all day about this shit is what tools do you use? Tell us mm-hmm. what, like, what, you know, it's just everybody looking for a secret to like figure yeah. out the thing, man. It's they like, want the life hack, but there, yeah. there's no life hack, man. Well, yeah, it, it's not. I was feeling like semi jaded for a half a second in my head there, just thinking about, oh man. So like really it's about being authentic. Okay. Yeah. No, honestly, just like, Putting out stuff that you are genuinely interested in and you believe in and whatever. And I had kind of had a sad moment in my head for a second there of like, wait, what if nobody does like that? And what if that, because really it seems like most of the people and most of the things I like that I follow that I like get engaged with are coming from a genuine place. And like, what if nobody like, I mean, that's the thing that makes it beautiful, right? That's the thing that makes it beautiful is like, it sometimes it doesn't work sometimes best laid plans sometimes you didn't do anything wrong right your approach wasn't wrong but it didn't work out so that's why if you just take a little thoughtfulness into the act like you won't ruin your life by going for it so So, go for it what i did come to after that second of like sadness that that like minute moment of depression was oh wait if you're really into what you're doing anyway it doesn't really matter And, and yeah and realistically it feels like people get attracted to that and they do kind of find it. Absolutely. Well, that, that's a, like a nice, like realism, but still optimism. Yeah. Like note to pause on. I think we should pew pew that. Pew, pew, oh yeah. Nice. I was lost for a second. Uh, we've been talking about when you, when you bootstrapping, when you're setting off and you're maybe, maybe you're a bit unfocused. Right. Okay. You have a, a wide lens. You're just taking it all in. We're going to change gears. Before you say it, I want to set you up. Please. It's going to be a deep reference. Jeff, I hope you get it. If you don't, uh, that's don't okay. Anymore. <laughs> I, I still will. Okay. So, what do you call uh, this? Is all ad lib, by the way. This was not pre prepared. Okay. I, I can verify that. Everybody's get, they're going to be very impressed. Uh, what do you call a guy? Mm. Um. On the moon during fall, who's responsible for yard maintenance? Oh, that'd be that would be a moonraker. Oh, you got it! Oh, nice, answer. man. The James Bond referino. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. Well, talking about unfocused, let's go then to something that is hyperfocused, maybe even oh. laser focused. <laughs> We're talking about lasers in today's off-topic topic. Off-topic topic. Jeff, every episode we like to take a break from the conversation to kind of clear our minds and talk about something that is not germane to the topic. And today we're talking about lasers. So wide, a wide open topic. Jeff, do you want to just reflect well, some on, wax you, poetic? I, I want to get some, like, did you get the reference? 
Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> well, answered, okay. Regardless, I'm gonna respect that answer. Yeah, great answer. Uh, James Bond, did you ever play uh, 64, Goldeneye? No, no, I never seen oh, a James Bond movie. I, I have, but I did not catch the reference, so I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm your, I burst your bubble there. That's right. That's cool, but... You really lasered us. No. Oh! <laughs> um, what do you think about lasers? Give us some of your laser thoughts. Yeah. Lasers in general? Yeah. Whatever comes to mind when we say lasers, what do you think? Uh, and actually, I'll do it for you. Lasers. <laughs> um, they're pretty sweet. I mean, they help me make products, so I'm going to you know, take it oh, right yeah? back into the topic. Oh. But <laughs> uh, you can, you know, laser cutting, you can cut things. Um, it'd be kind of handy, actually, to have, you know, just kind of you're, you're walking around laser laser right out of your sleeve. Cut something in half. <laughs> yeah, that would be dangerous. I don't, I don't <laughs> but imagine if you're just sitting at dinner and like you just kind of like leave your knife and you just kind of, you know, take your hand and. Laser your right steak? Yeah. You know, I would have a problem with that, though, because I like my steaks really rare, and I feel like the laser would cook it on the way through. Mm, yeah, but it might just give that nice, like, crust, like that nice sear right on the outside and keep the inside perfectly pink. Well, the restaurants we're going to, they've already got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let's speak to yourself, all right, man. All right. Uh, all right. So you yeah. use lasers in work, right? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't personally have a laser laser engraver, laser cutter, but it'd be well, pretty handy not, to have. Why not, Jeffrey? Why not? No, uh, me and lasers. Am I next? Yeah, the, the new movie coming this fall. Me and lasers. <laughs> me and lasers. <laughs> One man's love story, forbidden by his family, well, but true society. love. Yeah, in society, true love prevailed. Uh, yeah, when I think of lasers, I think of a James Bond scene. Yes. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Yes. Yes. One of my favorite James Bond scenes uh, of all time. Uh, what else do I think of? Mm. Did you play Goldeneye at all? Yeah. Did you use the Moonraker Lane laser? No. I only played at my friend's house, and I was so much worse than wow. them. I always got stopped, and they wouldn't let me pick odd job because well, he was yeah, cheating. Of course they wouldn't. Like that was like the joke. That was like that. That's the litmus test to know if somebody is a good human. <laughs> no, if they like know the game. Oh. We'd pick odd job, and if they didn't react, you're like, oh, okay. Like, they don't know what's going on. This is going to be short order. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah. Hey, you know, not bad. Uh, facility would be the level you're going to want to go to with the, with the lasers, and just shoot them through the door. Noted. If I ever pick that one back up. Yeah. Actually, we played more Perfect Dark than... Isn't that isn't that like a Capulets and Mountain Goose situation? Like, you either played Goldeneye, you played Perfect Dark. Mm-hmm. Or... Uh, no, I think that's it. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> when I say or, I mean sort of like or. Like, or not. <laughs> or, yeah, or not, yeah. Right. Hey, Grant, when I say lasers, what comes to mind? <sighs> laser tag. Oh, yeah, nice. Do you play laser tag, Jeff? Uh, I did play. I never went to like one of those sweet laser tag places, Jeez. but we had like the little, uh, the little cheesy little guns that we'd run around in the yard with. Yes, it would never really work because you could just put your hand like over the thing and block the if sensor you were or whatever. A dirty cheater. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No integrity in the Jeff family. Wow. You're, yeah, your character is becoming very clear here. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to have these recurring dreams about playing a gigantic game of laser tag in the Metrodome. Oh, wow, that would be fun. Metrodome is, well, rest in peace, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. It was just a couple blocks from our studio here, but it has since been deflated. And and, demolished. Yeah, and and it's being replaced by a shiny new uh, minister of the back of the stadium. That's exciting, right, Jeff? 
Yeah, I mean, for you. <laughs> yeah, it is. And a couple years before, the Metrodome's roof collapsed because of how much snow we had. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's just how disgusting winter is in this godforsaken city. But if only we had lasers to melt the snow. To superheat the city year-round. Now we're talking. Jeff, any parting thoughts on lasers? Uh, parting thoughts on lasers. Well, I thought of one other thing you made me think of was laser pointers. Like yeah. back in the day, getting like all the little screw on tips that you could like make little pictures with and you could like carry around all your little pictures and, you know, shine the lasers at the teacher and stuff like Wait, that. Hold up. There was pictures? replaceable. Like, like, what are we talking about? Yeah, there was like these. Yeah. Oh man, I just remember going to like Chinatown in New York, and everyone was selling laser pointers and switchblades, and you'd be, we'd all come home with like Whoa. all this. All this one, <laughs> I think one of those things is not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> they they're both pretty uh, can be pretty harmful. I don't know. We we'd be like on the bus on the ride back, you know, pointing the laser pointer out the window, thinking, yeah. oh, this is funny, but we're probably you know blinding, blinding the somebody. poor pedestrians. <laughs> yeah, you can get in big trouble for signing them at an aircraft, you know. Yeah. And yeah. jail time, like months in jail. Like. A flying aircraft from the ground? Yeah, like you can shoot, if you shoot a, like even a weak laser pointer in, near an airfield, you can get in major trouble. Wow. Yeah, look into it. I'm like uncomfortable. People have gone to jail <laughs> for it. It's very, because it, it blinds, it can blind I, the, Mostly, my experience with laser pointers is like in the modern era. Uh, hmm. Yeah, that's how you say it. Uh, has been lady friend just like Pointing it around an apartment and a cat chasing it. And it's like so tragic and, and, <laughs> That's a, and also exciting. And it's like, I feel weird. I mean, it's no more tragic than a human playing any game. It's artificial stimulation. The cat's having fun, right? <laughs> or is it? Or are we personifying the cat's give you that one, futile struggle to catch a prey that doesn't exist? Whoa, whoa. What is life? What is anything? Which is really the conclusion of the show. I mean, in most regards. Not right now. Not the actual conclusion. Not the actual conclusion. Speaking of actual conclusions, though. though, At most. You're right. But, you know, Jeff, it might be time to put a bow on this laser talk (laughs) and jump to the conclusion of the show. And, you know, we like to end it the same way every time. uh, And that's by asking you for some final thoughts, Jeff, in the form of two questions. Um, The first being... If our listeners could support you, how could they do that? How would you want them to support you? Uh, the second thing being, if our listeners could take one thing away from your time on the show, what would you want that to be? Uh, yeah, and you can just wrap it up by by answering in oh, order. I see. That was very holiday-themed of you. Um, <laughs> wrap it like up. a month. Yeah, we're a month hey, early. If, if you could just cut the turkey for us here. Set the table. <laughs> yeah. Yes, cut that turkey. All right. And <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast right there you can talk about cranberry sauce and you know Noted. we won't get into that um, <laughs> when you come back on crancast next week exactly um yeah where people can support me would be the easiest way is just go to my website which is just ugmonk.com and yeah you can buy something or you can just check out the shop um or hit me up on twitter um pretty much ugmonk on all of the social networks on instagram that's at ugmonk ugmonk on facebook instagram ugmonk Yep. Yeah, Hashtag pretty much across Ugg the board. Wait, it says U G M O N K. Correct. Yep. Hold on. If I may, what can you give us the brief origin story? Oh yeah. What does what's <laughs> Ugg Monk mean? 
I thought that I thought that might come up when yeah. I said that. <laughs> um, so yeah, like this is the how bootstrapped and how like not uh, planned out we were thinking about it was when I had the first four shirts and I was gonna design a website. Um, I realized I gotta call it something. I can't just call it like Jeff Sheldon Apparel. And uh, well, I guess cool, like, I could have called it that, but it was just you know I was trying to come up with a clever name and. So I played all the like the word games and, you know, went to the thesaurus and tried to come up with something clever and catchy. And it was like everything was just like terrible. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad, I, you know, I didn't I don't even remember what I was coming up with. I didn't have much. Um, so then my brother and I my brother is actually the one that uh, is a business partner and helps with the back end of the website. Um doing all the development and stuff, but we were kind of just joking around, like, we needs to be something weird. It needs to be something catchy. And so we were throwing out stuff that we had made up and kind of had inside jokes about and started Googling each one to see if there's any URLs open. Cause it's, as you know, impossible to get like a, a short uh, URL. Yeah. And we Googled it. <laughs> and then uh, we Googled it and there was like no results, only like a couple results in another language or something that came up and we're like, uh sure let's get it and like this was again we weren't planning on it just had googled the the collection of letters ugmunk yeah well th- so the origin of the word is like actually a secret it's like a, an inside joke that we don't disclose but maybe one oh. day i will reveal the secret wow some intrigue added late <laughs> to the cast yeah. that's yeah. Uh, this, this is a okay i've seen this before jeff jeffrey if i may is <laughs> and then on, on your deathbed you're like <laughs> if any of our listeners do secretly know the origin of Ugmunk, uh, I implore you send us a private message on Twitter because yeah, see, we don't want got, the secret to get out, but I want to know personally. And that's exactly why I don't disclose it. But <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's um, it's an acronym, right? Though we know Jeff. Come on, maybe, Jeff. maybe no, not. Hey, hey, Jeff, Jeff, Carl told us, man. It's cool, Carl, man. You know Carl. Uh, that's cool, though. There's a, anyway, some mystique to it. I like that. Yeah. So like we just went with it and now like it ended up being a really good decision because if you Google the word Ugmonk, there's like 40,000 results in Google that all come back to our site through all the, you know, through wow. stuff. Um, and uh, it's turned out to be really good because it didn't have any connotation kind of like, you know, Google before Google was what it is. Honestly, though, this is good advice. I mean, like we're not searching too much for advice because I feel like I'm- it's sometimes misguided because everyone's personal story. And right, know. right. But there is good advice here, which is like, don't worry so much about it, and also find thing, find find fertile ground. That's right. <laughs> Stop trying to reach red. And this was a yeah, this was an inside joke, like you said. It was something personal to you that you cared about, but no one else might, and mm-hmm. it worked out. Yeah. So it's been. Uh... It was kind of one of those happy accidents and things that now it's you know people know it and it's funny and it's weird and kind of it's short enough to remember. So it's. It is uh, a little bit catchy, define, actually. I won't lie. Yeah, we've we've been able to define like what it is, and and when now people think of the word Ugg Monk, if they if they're fans of the brand, they associate it with the the style and the, yeah, the, the thing that I've started. So yeah, Ben, maybe here's some advice we should take. What if we what if we sign it off and we were we just go like never. Yeah, so maybe. Well, that was just like a first draft <laughs> of an idea, but no So if they want, if they want to support you, find you on Twitter, <laughs> and that's and go on your website, obviously ugmunk.com. If you wanted them to take one thing away from your time on the show, bootstrapping about bootstrapping, probably. What what would that be? 
Go with your gut. Um, these are like a lot of the things that I tell people sound really cliche like that. Cause you're like, Oh, go with your gut. Just it's, it's all feeling, but, um, I, it's common sense. Like it's just do everything that I do is driven by that gut feeling and common sense, whether it's treating customers like I want to be treated or putting in that extra effort to like finish the design all the way. Um, you kind of know inside if you're doing something hundred percent or not. So I, I tell people to go with their gut and like, you know, when you felt like you've, you've done it the right way or if you're trying to cheat the system. That's super solid advice. Ironically, very ironically, I recently wrote a post called don't trust your gut. But, <laughs> but honestly, I think what you said was right. I mean, well, right or wrong, but, right, right. but uh, I think I would support that idea. My only point was that sometimes people get so caught up in, trusting their gut and looking for a gut feeling that sometimes you need to take your gut as more of an indicator and then search for the underlying meaning behind it instead of trusting or, or thinking that what your gut initially alerted you to uh, was the exact like direction you needed to go. Exactly. Maybe don't follow your gut with absolute conviction, sure, sure. right? Don't use it as the, your only impetus. Yeah, mm-hmm. your, your gut isn't a map. Your gut is more of like an alert system. Right. Exactly. It's not a map. It's a compass, right? Ah. You should follow your map, but in times of uncertainty, look to your compass and have it tip you in the right direction. Is that kind of what you're saying, Jeff? Yeah, totally. I mean, you can't take any of this in a vacuum and just, yeah. you know, it's not related <laughs> to like being smart and being strategic. Dyson, and, man. Don't give you know, me the and, vacuum business. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think like, yeah, you could definitely, you know, you could twist that the same thing with do what you love. I mean, you can twist that and to be like, well, you can't just do what you love. I love to eat and I can't get paid. Like if you take right, the, if right, you take right, the right. actual like advice out of it, um, I guess what I mean is kind of going back to like, what have we talked about? Most of the the podcast was just don't overthink things so much that you're, you get hung up in them and you're not doing like do whatever that thing is that you want to do. And don't just sit there and read books about it and go to school about it and then just sit around being like, I'm not sure if I can do it, you know? Great advice. And that's, that's a sentiment that we've said in a lot of different ways on the show. And it's, it's refreshing to hear this perspective of it. Totally, man. Thank you so much for your time. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And uh, hopefully something was, something in there was useful. I think a lot of it was useful, but more importantly, it was also fun, man. I had a great time and we had a great conversation. Uh, We have one more request for you though. Jeff. Jeff. Jeffrey, could you sign us off? Uh, we like to ship it, which seems like something you do both, <laughs> both figuratively and literally. And, and literally are shipping quite a few products. Um, so we end every show by just giving our listeners a big old ship it. Could you def- do that for us, Jeff? A bit too much like a ribbit there. I think it's just a <laughs> ship it. Yeah, let's ship it. <laughs>